Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast, your home for all things tabletop sports. I hope you'll take a minute to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I'm James Cast, and this is episode 60. Today, we're going to take an inside look at Highlight Maker Hoops by Play Games. If you want to discuss anything related to tabletop sports, check out my Facebook page, Tabletop Sportcast, or send an email to tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, go check out patreon.com backslash tabletopsportcast. Patreons get to join my Tabletop Sportcast live show every Monday night on Discord. Now, let's talk Highlight Maker Hoops. So it was about two weeks ago that Highlight Maker Hoops finally showed up at my doorstep. And in the two weeks, I have played, just check the game log, 15 gaming sessions with this new game. Uh, each of those sessions is usually one or two games. Most of them are about two games total. So I'm probably about 25 to 30 games in on playing Highlight Maker Hoops so far. So what I'm going to do today is just kind of give you my uh, first impressions of the game after about, you know, 25 to 30 gameplays. Now, I've had the opportunity to play with three different sets so far. Uh, I have used the 1985-86 NBA season. I've played with the 1964-65 NBA season. And I've also played with the fictional set from Play Games, Blam, which is the Basketball League of America. And I've played a handful of games using that set. The way that Highlight Maker Hoops is set up, for those who haven't had a chance to see any of the press around it so far, is you're basically playing out the summary of a basketball game. As a result, you'll see how individual players perform to some degree, but you're not going to really be able to get a full stat profile of how players have played throughout the game. That said, this compares, and it's even being sold by Play Games as a way to basically see the story of a basketball game unfold. And it does a really good job of capturing that through the fast action deck and the interaction with the players. Like most play games, this is built around a narrative. And you'll see that in the fast action cards, the fact that we are talking about different camera views. Uh, we have things like the hoops cam and the floor cam. Uh, and these are things that play games uses often in a lot of their sports games. Their goal is to replay the telecast of the game. And by replaying the telecast, you're going to get to see different highlights as they unfold during the game. Now, the for those who are experienced with play games, this plays a lot. It uses the same game engine, I should say, as Face to the Mat. If you've ever played their wrestling game, this is going to use a very similar mechanic to that. The difference being that in face to the mat, the objective is uh, one of the wrestlers has to reach pretty much the end of the scoring track 
and either pin their opponent or execute their finisher. With Highlight Maker Hoops, the, the scoring track just helps you track the total points for the teams. And there's actually two tracks that the teams will work on. Uh, the first one is the main scoring track, which basically tracks how many highlights they have throughout the game. Those will eventually equate to points. And then the second track is to track free throws scored by the team. And there are a number of opportunities to get free throws uh, with the ref cam. All right. So how does this game work? Well, it plays very quickly. I am averaging about 15 to 20 minutes per game. And that includes like setup time, playing it out, tracking results, all of that. If I have a fairly close game, there is a chance to play like a final minute. And depending on which of the options you choose for the final minute, you could add some additional time on there. Uh, one of those options is just a single card final minute, and that adds almost no time to your maybe a minute total. Uh, there is also a slower, uh, more in more in-depth, detailed view for the final minute. And that can add another five to 10 minutes to of your playing time. So even all in, if it's a super close game, you're probably talking on on the high end of a like under half an hour to play a full game. But most of your games are probably going to be closer to the 15 minute time frame. So one of the things that's going to be a real big selling point for highlight maker hoops as play games moves forward is the fact that it is really an express game. And when we talk about their express games, you can imagine that, you know, I always call these the quick play games. This is not an instant results. You will not just roll a die and get yourself a final score. You're also not going to do a quick, you know, stat generator like some games out there. This is an express game. It's meant to be a very condensed version of a basketball game that will tell you how the game unfolded without giving you a lot of the player details. Now, when I say that, what you can imagine is that players throughout the game are going to have a chance to make impact plays. And in fact, a lot of folks that are out there trying to figure out how they're going to score this game uh, or what kind of stats they're going to keep track of on the most for the most part, what I hear people talking about is tracking impact points, whether it be offensive or defensive or sometimes both. Uh, they're trying to track like how often a player is able to make an impact in the game. And one of the things that I think stands out for highlight maker hoops and maybe where play games is starting to really build a niche in the uh, gaming community is that once again, they've given us an express game similar to second season express that allows you to play a game quickly, but still see individual players perform to their potential. Now I've heard some comparisons of this game to something like fast drive football and from a total time invested and the ability to get a storyline for the game. I would say, yes, that's a fair comparison. These two games are on equal playing fields in terms of time to play, 
and the amount of details you get for telling the story of how a game unfolded. However, as I mentioned before, one place where this game moves in a very different direction than something like fast drive football is the ability for individual players to make an impact. And when I look at something like second season express, and when I look now at highlight maker hoops and what we've gotten as early um, visuals to history maker baseball express, which will be a new game coming out from play games later this year. We're talking about the ability to use the same player cards we would use in a full play game, but use them in an express version and still get those players to have an impact in the game. So when I'm playing with the 64-65 NBA season and I have Wilt Chamberlain playing against Bill Russell, I get to see both of those players impact both their team's offensive performance and also make defensive plays to stymie the other team, to, to really hold their opponents in check. The other component to this game that is really interesting when it plays out is that coaches also have an ability to impact the game. The way the coach mechanic works in, high, in Highlight Maker Hoops is that there are fast action cards designed to bring the coaches and it's usually when they're calling a timeout. So the fast action card says, yep, your team calls a timeout uh, and this ability goes back and forth between the home and road teams. When the coach calls the timeout and there are a couple of different versions of how the coach card plays out, but for the most part, what you're going to do is you're going to sub in players and the coach then has a chance to roll on their card to see if they are able to, you know, basically energize the team, which means they're going to make an impact and the team's going to score an impact point. Or they're going to kind of undermine their team a little bit. One of the terms used is like complacent and their opponents are going to come out of the timeout and score the quick bucket and get that impact point instead. And then there's the chance that just nothing will happen and their substitution makes no impact at that point in time. So coaches also have an opportunity to make an impact here. Now, when you order Highlight Maker Hoops and you order the player card sets, referees are included, but those are only going to be used from what we've been told for the full game. So in Highlight Maker Hoops, there is no impact of referees other than there is a ref cam, but it has nothing to do with the referee's abilities. It's just an opportunity to have fouls called and opportunity for three free throws to be thrown or scored. All right, so let's talk a little bit about how this game plays. So with the fast action deck, you're basically going to play out 10 cards per quarter. And those 10 cards give you the ability to see different camera views. Most of the time, one of the two teams is going to score as a result. Uh, in general, what happens is there's three different categories for how action derives from the fast action card outside of the refs calling fouls and outside of the coaches calling timeouts. For the other cameras, 
that can take place, what you're looking at is an ability for a player to make an offensive or defensive play. Some of the cards call for that. And a, a card that will have both teams fighting for a rebound. Or a card that says, hey, whoever's the top scorer of these two active players will take the top scorer and they will have a chance to make a play. Now, when I talk about the two players, the way this game generally works is you've got a, you keep your team in a stack and you're going to keep rotating through that stack. Now, you start with the stack of your five starters. But as the coach makes substitutions, the number of players in that deck will generally increase. Uh, there is only there are some cards that have you remove players from the deck, usually uh, when a coach calls a timeout. But anytime a player is removed, there's usually a sub to replace them and generally another substitution that also takes place. So in almost every case the coach card is going to increase your stack for the rest of the game. And I've had games where I maybe only got to like the sixth player, you know, sixth man came in. So my stack stayed fairly short. And the advantage there is if you've got some big players on your team, that keeps them in the rotation. They're going to rotate in quicker and quicker. But then I've had other games where I got down to like the eighth or ninth player on the on the t on the roster and all of a sudden now if i have like you know a really good player on that team they're only going to come up to the top of that stack one out of every eight opportunities so really important to like see how that's going to play out and the deeper the benches get now if you're a good coach like for instance uh when i was playing with the 85 86 celtics they were top team that year. They have two really strong players in Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Their supporting cast behind those three, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, are pretty solid. Their first couple of guys off the bench usually includes like Bill Walton, so they've got some solid bench players immediately. But one of the advantages with that team is, you know, you've got uh, Casey Jones as your coach and he is a really strong coach and has a good chance to make a positive impact on the scoring as well so while you want to keep that rotation short to keep guys like bird coming to the top of the chart or, or to the top of the stack quicker there's also a lot of advantages to increasing the number of players because every time a substitution comes in for for casey jones he has a good chance to get the team an impact point with making a good play call and it's really interesting to see that play out. I think one of the other things that's really uh, that has played out really well with the coach cards, too, is the timing of those or the timing of the refs. Because while a player can sit there and dominate for a little while, there are two things that can really negatively impact a star player. One is the opposing coach or even their own coach calls a timeout. If either coach calls a timeout, there's a chance that player is going to get rotated out. Now, if it's his own coach, he's just going to get rotated. He's going to fall back a spot in the stack, and he'll be back to the top pretty soon after that. 
Uh, if it's the opponent's in coach, there's a good chance that he could have to rotate to the bottom of the stack and miss an opportunity to make any kind of impact play. Same thing goes for the refs. If the refs call a foul, maybe that star player has a chance to make some free throws, but then they're going to rotate out from the top part of the stack. For some players, that can be really detrimental, especially when you got a really big time star on a team that has very little other, you know, very few star players. Uh, and this really hurts bad teams more than good teams, which makes sense. But, you know, when I was playing with, for instance, uh, San Francisco with the 64-65 season and you have Wilt Chamberlain on that team, the team overall is not good. Wilt is outstanding. However, if he gets coached out or there's a foul and he has to rotate to the back, you got to wait a few more cards before you can get him back to the top of that stack again. When you have a really solid player, though, and they've got underlying qualities and they've got stars, which means that those qualities, their play qualities or their playmaker qualities, I should say, apply to both offense and defense. You really can see a player put on a run where they might be able to get like three or four points in a row of impact points and stay on top of that stack while the rest of the team, their opponent team, continues to rotate through. And it becomes a really interesting dynamic when that starts to happen. And I've seen players come off the bench and do that uh, because sometimes the cards just fall a certain way and that that you know player subs in and all of a sudden they have a huge impact on the game. And these are some of the storylines that can really play out. Now, one of the, I'm not even going to call it a flaw of the game, but one of the mechanics that doesn't work so well is because this game is designed to do a summary uh, and because it uses that fast action deck, the game has some built-in mechanics that allow you to, you know, cheat the score a little bit. And the idea there is to make sure that it doesn't get completely uh, lopsided. Uh, so as a result, there are some uh, scoring caps that are in place. Uh, they've, you know, play games. Keith Avalon has figured out like that the most you can really score for a team might be five or six impact points per quarter. Uh, five if it was tied or if you were in the lead. Six if you were trailing. They've also determined that there's a certain number of impact points that have to get scored each quarter. So if the two teams are trading off and playing a very defensive game, or maybe there's a lot of fouls being called in a particular quarter, they may not get enough scoring. And then there are some rules for making sure that you push both teams up a little bit to keep the scoring in line for what it needs to be to be a true basketball score. So those are like little cheats, but at the same time, there's some easy ways to just make sure that this game is progressing and that you're going to get a true score at the end. Uh, it doesn't really impact the competitiveness between the two teams that are playing, though. There are separate scoring charts. There's a number of different scoring charts that you can use, and when you get your your card set, it will make recommendations onto which cards, uh, which scoring table you would use for that particular set. So following that will help you get like true to life scores. And you'll notice that not all impact points are equal. As you play through the scoring tables, you'll notice different places where, um, you know, it's not like I can sit there and say like, okay, you know, one impact point is worth seven points or something like that. 
really one depends on the scoring table you're using. And two, just depends on where the two teams are in the scoring track. But at the end of the game, you are going to get realistic scores if you're using the correct scoring table for your card set. Now, we went and talked a little bit about how different people, and I've been kind of monitoring this in the, in the play game community, but how different people are going about scoring these games. And we mentioned the fact that there's a lot that are trying to do things with like impact points. And it probably is the easiest way to track is by tracking those impact points. There, there are some options I've played around with. Uh, I will tell you which of these was my favorite. But let's go over a couple of different options. One is to do more of like a play-by-play -play style, which is on each and every card, you're going to get a result. It may not result in an impact point, but there are there's some text on the card, some narrative that you can add to it to basically describe like what was the highlight that got captured there. Maybe the defender makes a big stop. Maybe the shooter makes a shot. Maybe it's a fight over a rebound and between the two centers and, you know, the defensive center gets that defensive rebound. Uh, maybe the ref calls a foul. All those different things are things you can kind of just track and and at the end be able to kind of write that narrative that says, hey, here's the recap of my game. And let me give you kind of that summarized like keep moments of the game. And at the end, you'll have, you know, at most 40 different plays that you would have to track. That can get tedious, but at the same time, you could have a really nice description of your game at the end of that. I would say if you take that approach, you are probably adding another 10 to 15 minutes of playing time to your game. The second way that you can do this is, as we mentioned earlier, you're tracking impact points for every time a player makes a play. Did I score a point for my team, like an impact point? Give me a mark. Uh, did I deny my opponent from making a uh, scoring an impact point? Give me a deny point. Um, did I score free throws? Give me points for the free throws. And you can kind of track those like offensive points, defensive points, uh, and also like deny points and free throws. And like, you can have those like four different categories because that will pretty much capture everything that will take place. That will give you a good sense of how the players are coming out and will probably be very true by the time you've played out a season to the ratings that they have or the qualities that they have on their cards. Those with a lot of defensive um, qualities are going to score more defensive points than offensive points. Players with stars are going to have a good balance between both. Players with the um, triangles, which indicates that they're more of an offensive player, are probably going to score more offensive points and less defensive points. And you'll see that kind of play out as you play out your season. And then the way that I've settled on, so I don't know if it's the best, but it's what I've decided that I'm going to track, is to just treat this almost like you would a basketball game and just say, like, I'm, I'm for me, because I'm not really getting a lot of stats out of this, right? I, I can't tell you how many rebounds somebody's going to get or steals, blocks, assists. All those things aren't going to really come true. And even points aren't truly going to come true. But what I will have at the end of the game is the team's total points. And what I will also have in the game 
is a record of how many impact points the team has scored. So what I do is the active player for both the offense and the defense, whoever gets the point, that active player gets an impact point. I don't care if it came from the coach card. I don't care if it was because the defense blundered. I don't care if the offensive player made the play. If the active player, whoever the active player is on that team stack, when that scoring marker goes up one, they get credit for an impact point. And at the same time, they get credit for their free throws. And then I could actually just do an extrapolation at the end and basically say like, okay, if my team scored 12 impact points and their total points without free throws was like 100, you know, 100 and, you know, 121 or something like they're going to end up scoring like about a 10 points each impact point, right? 10 to 12 points each impact point. And then I can just kind of multiply that out and figure out how many points did that player have for that game. It's not a true representation, and I w- certainly wouldn't take that, but it allows me to turn those impact points into something that feels real. Uh, and you know, in that case, if I said, well, the average comes out to about 10 points per impact point, you've got three impact points plus two free throws, so you get three times 10, which is 30, plus your two, and you have 32 points. So for me, that's been a scoring that I felt comfortable with. Um, but I will tell you, like I have some games that I have just gone and just done the impact points. I have some games that I've gone and tried to figure out what the scoring is because I'm tinkering still. I'm trying to figure out which of these methods works best for me. And I've also just played games without tracking those impact points at all. And they all work for me. Right. Because in all of them, I'm getting the enjoyment of seeing this game unfold. You get to see teams go on runs at times. You get to see two teams like battling it out. And every now and again, you're going to see a team really blow the doors off their opponent. All of those possibilities happen on this tabletop with this game. So from that standpoint, I think it's a really strong game in this marketplace. Now, when it comes to basketball games, I've probably it's I, you know it's it's further down on my list of games that I usually go to. All that being said, though, I have probably played five or six different basketball games, and a lot of those didn't work for me. They all have their niche things, as so many of the games in the marketplace do. But when it came to the basketball games for me. Some of them just felt like they were stat generators where I felt like I was rolling and didn't really make a lot of sense for why this guy was getting this many points and this many rebounds. I just didn't get the fun of seeing that happen. It was a quick play game um, and it was more of a stat generator. Not exactly my kind of game, but, you know, for some of that works. Uh, And then I've had games like March Madness, uh, you know, comes to mind. And March Madness is a fun game to some degree, but it really lacks something. And it feels like there's just too much calculations that have to take place to play that game out. So not exactly my, you know, go to game. I play that from time to time, but for the most part, it's, you know, something that doesn't make it out to the tabletop that often. Probably been a couple of years since I even played March Madness. 
for me, the, the before Highlight Maker Hoops, my go-to game was probably Status Pro Basketball. Uh, it's a great full-play game. It gave gives me all the stat detail that I want. Will probably give me more stat details than the full version of play games. You know, I think which is going to be History Maker Hoops. Will still probably surpass that play games deliverable. Uh, in terms of delivering that full stat profile. And it plays fairly well. It's just really, really long. Uh, For me to sit down and play the status pro basketball, I probably need to think about a good three hours of gaming time to play that out, to play out a full game. It's one of those games that I can sit down and play, and by the time I've reached my limit, I have probably a quarter in. So I have to almost break down my game session into like four separate sit sit downs to play out the full game. This is going to be a go-to game for me. I quickly see this as being one of those games. And, you know, talking with Bob Hansen last week, I think he has hit it on the head that with a lot of these express games coming out from play games, it's opened up the door to really do some different types of projects. This will stand alone in terms of its ability to be a quick play game in the basketball world. Uh, And I am really looking forward to playing some longer term or, you know, not really longer term projects, but bigger projects in terms of more complete season plays or single team replays. Because I can do it in a short amount of time, I can sit down for two hours and probably knock out like six or seven games using this highlight maker hoops. That's a real benefit, you know. Now when I start thinking about like, wow, it'd be great to play maybe the 95-96 like Chicago Bulls season. 82 games, not too bad. Like I am probably thinking that I can do that in less than 30 game sessions. That's doable. That's a that's a manageable size project for me. So that's the kind of game that it really can make a stamp. I've played, you know, when we were at uh, play.com last year, we got a chance to see the full t- the full play game a little bit as well, and I think it's going to play really well. It might be missing, like I said, some of the things to deliver full stat profiles like status pro basketball, but I think it's going to be close enough for me that it will be my go-to long play game. If I really want to play out the full game and capture all of the details, it will probably still beat out the status pro basketball, but I have to wait and see because it might be one of those things that I can go back and forth a little bit. But this highlight maker hoops is going to find its way into my tabletop, similar to ways second season express has, you know, I can, I can play a full play football game and enjoy it. But if I really want to do a longer project, like a season replay, I'm either going to like a fast drive football, but if I really want to get more of the individual player feel for it, I'm going to use Second Season Express. Highlight Maker Hoops is going to do the same thing for me. And I, that's what I think makes these play games so unique. And I mentioned it earlier. It's worth mentioning again. The ability to use those individual player cards, the same cards we're going to use in the full play game. I can use in that quick play game and not lose those individual players through the course of a game. That's what will stand out to me. And I think that's the big selling point for me on Highlight Maker Hoops. 
So like I said, playing it a lot, 15 game sessions in just over two weeks. I mean, that that I think says a lot right there that I've been able to get it to the table as often as I have. And that's without really planning much of a project around it. It's just dominated, you know, my gameplay where I probably go and play something like today. I've played History Maker Baseball already, right? I guarantee I'm going to still figure out how to play some Highlight Maker Hoops later today, too. That's just where it is right now on my tabletop. It's it's quickly in circulation, stays on the table, never gets that far away. Uh, and that tells me a lot about how much I'm enjoying playing it. All right, so that's today's episode, Highlight Maker Hoops. Highly recommended if you haven't gotten it. I think they're going to re-release the game in May, so only a little over a month to wait before it hits the marketplace again. There, So far, only those who went in for the pre-order were able to get their hands on it. Sunday, we will probably be a later episode, probably going to be more like a Sunday night episode, but we will. I will have an episode um, talking about the 12 agile principles and how I incorporate those into my tabletop gaming experience. That's it for today. Thanks for listening.